Almighty God, we thank You so much for Your goodness. You truly are so good to each and every one of us, to this church body. We thank You for Your goodness. And Lord, we pray this morning that You would teach us what it means to be a disciple, to follow You, to grow in You, to be the men and women of God that You call all of us to be. So Lord, we pray now that through worship and through Your Word that You would speak to our hearts and minds. That You would show us the life-changing hope that can only be found in Jesus. So Lord, we thank You again and we pray all of these, all of these things in Your goodness, in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Have you uh, ever eaten a large amount of food. Think about maybe your teenage days uh, when, when maybe you had the capacity to eat larger amounts than maybe you can eat today. Uh, when I was in high school, um, I've told the story, I was very small uh, growing up. I've always been short. I know you can't tell. The stage adds like two feet. So I look tall. I don't look tall up here, but I wish I did. Um, but I've always been a short guy. Uh, growing up through high school, um, I was the shortest person in my class up until the end of my freshman, beginning of my sophomore year. And so uh, I hit a couple of growth spurts as I was going. You know, if you've had kids, or maybe you can remember back to those days, you can always tell when your child is going through a growth spurt, right? Because what happens? They suddenly start eating you out of house and home, right? Uh, well, when I was a junior, I believe, um, my, one of my friends had a party, and I grew up in one of those small towns that, like, the best place to eat was the local pizza hut. Have you ever, have you ever been through one of those towns? Like, a few thousand people, there's, there's not a McDonald's, there's not anything, but the pizza hut is a staple of eateries within this little town. So, that's the type of town I grew up in, so my friend had a party I can't remember if it was a birthday party or something and he had the party at Pizza Hut he he bought tons of pizza and of course it's a bunch of teenage guys and girls and we ended up deciding to have a pizza eating contest to see how much pizza we could eat in the hour that we were going to be sitting there now I just happened to be going through a growth spurt at that time I grew in seven inches between the beginning of my sophomore year and the middle of my senior year and so I ate a lot in those years because my body needed that, those nutrients and everything. But that day, I sat and ate one and a half large pepperoni pizzas. And I think for just a moment, could any of us outside of the teenagers over here, could any of us sit down and eat a pizza and a half in one hour sitting? The thought makes me worn out. Just thinking about it makes me, my stomach hurt, and it makes me want to lean on something and make heavy breathing sounds. I mean, it just sounds terrible. But in that moment, as a teenager, first off, I had the capacity to eat that much, and I remember feeling uncomfortable afterwards, but not miserable. You know, like, I would pay the price for eating that much pizza in one sitting, I'd pay the price for a week afterwards now. But as a teenager, your body 
is able to actually take advantage of all those calories because you're growing so fast and you're burning so much energy day in and day out. And so that's one thing I want to talk about today. I want to talk about growth, about growing. And so let's do a recap. We're in our new series called The Unique Us, and it's all about how we are as a church unique. What makes First Southern different? Because let's face it, we come and we sit and we worship and we go to Bible studies and we have activities and ministries and outreach and we do all these things, but we as a church body looks different. We look different than the church down the street, don't we? We're different. We're unique. And so that's what this series is all about. So we talked about, a couple of weeks ago, our mission statement, which is leading every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. And so that was what we launched out with, with this sermon series, was this idea. Now, again, I've said it, but I'm going to say it again. We've got six more weeks of this study, and you're going to be absolutely sick of this statement that's on the screen. And I want you to be. I want you to be able to say this in your sleep. I want you to dream about this statement. I want you to be humbly or mumbling it as you're walking to down the street or at your work or driving uh, on your commute. I want you to be huh, leading people every generation, life changing. Oh my gosh, I'm thinking about that statement again. That's what I want. I want you to be thinking about this because I want us to live this day in and day out. I want us as a church to be defined by us being this kind of people right here every day. That our mission, that everything we do as a church and as individuals is about leading every generation to the life-changing hope that can only be found in Jesus. So that's why we're driving this statement so much is we want you to know this statement. We want you to recognize it. We want you to think about it day in and day out. So last week, we also spoke about how we have four values that define how we accomplish, how we live out this statement right here. And we spoke about last week our first value, which is believe. And there's a tagline to all four of these statements. And with believe, the tagline is, is that God's truth is the foundation to knowing, loving, and understanding Him. That's what we spoke about last week. And today, we're going to talk about our second value, which is grow. And the tagline that goes with grow is this, growth means change. And following God is moving where He takes us both personally and as a church. Now, we're going to spend two weeks, this week and next week, on this uh, value because I think that I, I can't do everything in one sermon uh, unpacking this idea. I'm going to do this one backwards, though. We're going to talk about this morning the last part of that statement, the part that says, following God is moving where He takes us both personally and as a church. That's what we're going to talk about today, and next week we're going to talk about change. So if you don't like change, next week you want to skip church. <laughs> I'm sick. <clears throat> I got a cough because <clears throat> I don't like change. <clears throat> no, I'm kidding. But today I want to talk about following God where He's moving us. 
both as a person, both as individuals and as a church body, as this congregation, as this group that meets here at First Southern Baptist Church of Scottsdale. So, following God is moving where He takes us, both personally and as a church. Now, we're going to focus on that idea, the following God and moving where He takes us part. So, how do we follow where He's taking us? That's the big question for this morning. How do we follow Him when He starts moving? And let's be honest, God's always moving in our lives, right? So we need to figure out how to follow Him continuously, consistently, all the time. And so I'm going to touch on one passage and then I'm going to have you turn to another one. The passage that I want to think about that leads us into our next passage is Matthew 28, verse 19. And I've we talked about this two weeks ago. We're going to bring this passage up very often through the next several weeks. This is the great commission that Jesus gives us. If you've been in church, that's what it's nicknamed. That's, that's the, the nickname for this particular passage, the Great Commission. Now, in the Great Commission, in verse 19, Jesus says, Go therefore and what? Make disciples. So... Following Jesus is about being a disciple and making disciples. Now, what's a disciple? Because we throw, it's a church word. It's a word that we really don't use that much outside of Christian context generally. But disciple is actually a Greek word that we have taken the Greek letters and made, turned them into English and that Greek word disciple actually literally means to be a follower or a student of someone or something. And so think about it. Jesus had 12 guys that followed him through his entire ministry, the last three years of his life. And they followed him everywhere they went. They listened to every sermon he preached. They went and did ministry with him. They were called the 12 disciples. They were called, if you go to the original language that the Bible's written in, they're literally called. They weren't, people didn't walk around and go, oh, they're the disciples. It's not a title. It was they were the 12 followers. They're literally the students that Jesus chose to listen, hear, and implement his teachings. So when it tells us that we're supposed to be disciples and go out and make disciples that means we're literally going out and making other followers other students of Jesus and what Jesus calls us to do and so how do we follow Jesus now I want you to notice something here look up at the statement that's on the screen that's why we have the statement say following God that's why it says following God is moving because we are in the business of making disciples. Now, if we're always going to be a follower, if we're always going to be a student, because let's be honest, none of us in this room are ever going to learn and grow so much that we're better than Jesus or greater than Jesus and we become his teacher, that he follows us. No, that's not how it works. As long as we're on this earth and or in heaven, we will always be a follower of Jesus. He will always be our leader. He will always be over us. And so the idea here is that we have to figure out what that actually looks like. You go to a class, 
it's easy to know what the teacher expects from you. Well, it should be. Most of the time, if you go to a college course, the teacher hands you a textbook and hands you what's called a syllabus. And the syllabus outlines what is going to be covered through that next semester. Well, go back to last week. This right here is our textbook and syllabus. This right here is the instructions on how we learn to be followers or students of Jesus Christ. So, how do we follow Jesus? We live like Him, and that's what following that's what a follower or a student does. So I want you to take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on, and I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible with you uh, or an app on your device, there are Bibles in the back of the pews. Grab one of those. First Peter, or, yeah, First Peter chapter 2. First Peter is towards the back of the Bible. Uh, if you just start at the back and move your way forward, you're going to go through Revelation. And then you're going to go through this teensy tiny little book called Jude. And then you're going to go through 3rd, 2nd, 1st John, then 2nd Peter, then 1st Peter. If you hit James or Hebrews, you've gone too far forward. You need to back up again. So, 1 Peter chapter 2. And let me say this. If you're with us today and you don't have a Bible, you don't own one, you don't have an app, but you would like to have one, please, at the end of the service, take one of those Bibles out of the pew and take it home with you. Let that be our gift to you this morning because we want everybody to have a Bible at home that they can read and study and reference on a regular basis. And I'm going to come back to that idea in just a minute. So 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to begin right at the beginning, verse 1. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. This is Peter. He is the, amongst the 12 disciples, he was the top. Uh, Jesus said that he would be the cornerstone, the the rock on which he would build his church. And we're actually going to get into that in this passage in just a moment. So Peter was one of the greatest leaders of the church uh, when it first started out. And so listen to what Peter has to say in verse two, ver- chapter 2, verse 1. He says this, Therefore, rid yourselves, he's speaking to the church in general and as an Christian individuals, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to Him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to Him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house that is a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and also a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. 
But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, I want to take a look at this passage and just break it down because this passage actually tells us a lot about being a follower of Christ and what it looks like to be that disciple, that follower, that student. And so what I want to think about is what this passage is saying. In verse 1, he warns us to stay away from some things. So in verse 1, he talks about ridding ourselves of malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander of every kind. Now, I want you to notice something. Look at that verse. Look at verse 1 with me. There's a commonality between all of these things, these issues that Jesus, that Peter is telling us to rid ourselves of. And all of these issues, all of these struggles, all of these temptations or sins all have to do with how we interact with one another. Think about it. When we're talking about malice, when we're talking about deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander, all of those things have to do with our interaction with one another as followers of Jesus, right? Uh, Jesus never wants us to be a people that hold malice against one another, anger, hatred. He, He wants us to avoid that in general. Obviously, Jesus doesn't want us to be a people of deceit, liars, swindlers, manipulators. He doesn't want us to live like that. He doesn't want us to live in hypocrisy. He doesn't want us to say one thing and yet do and live another thing. Go back to our mission statement. We don't want to be hypocrites when it comes to leading every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. We need to strive to be people who say and do exactly what we say and do. Those two things, what we say and do, should line up with one another. We should not envy. The jealousy can destroy this church body. And so we don't want to be a people of envy. And lastly, we don't want to be a people of slander. That, that talk badly about those of us that are within this body and those outside of the body. Let's be honest, nobody respects somebody who trash talks other people, or who puts other people down, who, who slanders the name of others. That's not a respectable or godly attribute. And so Christ says, avoid, get rid of these attributes. Through Peter, he is giving us this message. And then we go into verses 2 and 3. He talks about, and like newborn babies, seek after spiritual milk. Now, I have an almost two-year-old. My baby, I say it with a smile, my little baby turns two on Friday. And so, as a two-year-old, he used to drink only milk. Now he's eating solid foods. But as an infant, did you know that in the first year of a baby's life, their brain grows by three times? It is the fastest growth rate of the human brain at any point of life. Three times. Can you imagine your brain growing three times the size that it is now in one year's time? That's what happens in the body of a baby. 
Now, if it doesn't get the milk that it needs, is that going to actually happen? No. That baby desperately needs that milk in order to grow. And so you have to be able to supply that milk. Now, we as followers of Christ, we're being told by Peter to be like that, to seek after that spiritual milk. When a baby gets hungry, what does it do? It cries. And if you've been around a baby that is hungry, that is something that you want to remedy very quickly, right? That is not something that you go, oh, the baby's hungry, I'll get to it in an hour. No, when the baby's crying, you take care of that baby. And you get it that milk that it needs. Now, we're called to be spiritual babies, to seek after that spiritual milk. We should be crying out in hunger for that spiritual growth that Christ has for us, for that spiritual food that Christ has for our lives. And if you keep reading into verse 3, Peter talks about how that spiritual milk is for the growth in salvation. None of us will ever accomplish or reach perfection until we die and we're in the perfect presence of God the Father Almighty and His Son Jesus. But the fact is, is, In that, we recognize that we're always growing in Him. We're always improving. We're always becoming more Christ-like. And we should strive to do that. So I want to take a moment, and I want to think back to last Sunday's message. When we were talking about God's Word, talking about the Bible. Because the Bible is our first step in that growth. This book right here is the first step of the spiritual milk. Oh, there's also prayer, there's worship, uh, there's so many things that Christ calls us to do that feeds us spiritually, and we're going to talk about all those, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time because there are sermons coming up in the next four weeks that talks about every aspect of that. But last week, I talked a lot about this book and the foundation that it is to our lives so that we can know Him better, but what is the best way to eat from this book? If this is our spiritual milk, if this is the first step, how do we get a hold of it? How do we eat it? How do we consume it? Well, we can read it, and I think we should be reading it, but we can also listen to it. Guys, we live in an age where technology is amazing. There are apps out there that are free that you can put on your device And you can listen to the Bible on your way to whatever it is that you do during the day. Or you can get up in the morning and you can open your phone and click on it and press play. And it will read the Bible to you. A little uh, controversial side note, the Bible never says to read it. The Bible says to listen and to meditate on it. Well, the reason it says not to read is because they didn't have copies of the Bible floating around everywhere when the Bible was written. That didn't come until the 1600s. But we have the advantage of having the book accessible to us. And that's why I say if you don't have a Bible, grab one of ours and take it home and claim it as yours. Because we want you to have one of these. But there are so many ways to take in this book and what it has for us. I'll tell you right now, I've never struggled in reading the Bible. This, my struggle with spiritual disciplines, with, with the things that we do to grow spiritually, my struggle has never been reading this book. But I'll tell you one thing. My son and I 
about two years ago, started listening to this book off of my app when we would go to school in the mornings. And guys, I've learned things that I did not catch while reading it by listening to it. I would encourage you, if you've been sitting down with this book day in and day out for 50 years, sit down and listen to it and read along with it and see what God will open up to you by listening and absorbing it. So listen to it, read it, uh, find a Bible app, find videos. There are great videos out there that teach us about the Bible. And lastly, listen to sermons, not just mine. Go and listen to some of the great sermons. We have access to all the audio and video of these great preachers from all over the world. Now make sure they're biblical teachers, but go and, go and listen and, and watch them as they preach God's Word. Guys, I'll tell you right now, I'm not the best preacher in the world. There are great ones. They're way better than me. Go listen to them and study what they have to teach and what they have to say. Take your Sunday morning message and take it home with you. Did you know that in your happenings, that two-paper sheet that you can pick up as you come in that's stapled together, it gives you all the stuff that's happening in our church over the next week and month and etc. Did you know that it's also got questions in it to think on and talk about with friends uh, uh, that are based off of this sermon. So if you go and grab a happenings, it right now has seven questions that you can go through this week and think about and explore more of what we're talking about today. Guys, the point is this. Don't neglect your spiritual food. If you go days and days and days without eating, do you gain strength physically? No. So why would we think that we can go without reading this and have spiritual strength? This is our spiritual food. We need to be taking it in on a regular basis so that we have the spiritual strength and energy to live out the mission that Jesus has for us. To go out and lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. So take this in. Read it. Use it. So growing in Him means we seek after that spiritual milk. And that spiritual milk will then in turn teach us how to live like Jesus. In John 14, 15, Jesus makes the statement, If you love me, you will keep my commands. And so we as followers, one of the things we're called to do is do what Jesus said. To go and read this book and understand his direction for our life and go live it. James said, don't be hearers of the word only, but be doers. Go and live it. Go and be it in the community around you. So now back to 1 Peter chapter 2. He goes into verses 4 through 8 and he talks about Jesus being this stone, this living stone. Uh, In one place, he's quoting an Old Testament passage where Jesus is the cornerstone. And for you guys who know construction, the cornerstone was the foundation of buildings back then. They didn't have concrete technology the way we have it today. And so what they would do is they would go and get the biggest stones they could find, and they would put it together in a jigsaw puzzle pattern. And then they had a few key stones Uh, that were pulling and pushing that foundation together, keeping it in its place. And those stones that held everything together were called the cornerstones. If the cornerstone shifted, 
the rest of the foundation would shift as well. If the cornerstone held its place, the rest of the stones were put together in such a way that the cornerstone held it all together. And so Jesus is our cornerstone. He is the most important part of the foundation that we have as His followers. And we find out about Him in His Word. So He is the cornerstone. And then it talks about us being the living stones that are being built up into a building. We're part of God's work. That's the whole point of that, those four verses. We are part of God's working. He's called us to go and do the work that He has in front of us. Lastly, He talks in verses 9 and 10 about being chosen. And He uses race and people and priesthood and all these words. But ultimately, the whole point of that is to say that God has chosen all of us. He has given us something. And then if you look at verse 10, it tells us what He's given us. We are His chosen people because He has given us mercy. You see, we have the greatest gift that is available to mankind. We have the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You see, we are all destined because we are sinners. We are lawbreakers. We have all broken God's laws. And because of that, we are criminals in the sight of God. And we need somebody to come along and pay our price. We need somebody to pay, what we, pay for what we've done to serve our sentence. And when Jesus died on the cross, that's exactly what He did. He stepped into our shoes and through His blood, He covered our sins and made us innocent and righteous in the eyes of God. We are literally living in the righteousness of Jesus. And every person has the potential to have that gift, to have that mercy and grace and forgiveness. But who's going to, how are they going to hear if no one tells them? Who's going to go and tell people about this gospel, this good news? That has to be us. Someone has to go and tell those who don't know Jesus about the life-changing hope that can be found in Him. That's why this passage, if you go read verses 9 and 10, it says that we're created to proclaim. We're created to go and tell others about that beautiful, good news. So are you following Jesus? Are you a disciple? Does your life revolve around following Him and leading others to the life-changing hope of Jesus? Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we thank You so much. We thank You, Lord, for Your grace, that undeserved grace, that unearned grace that forgives us of our sins and lets us live in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would passionately pursue the spiritual milk that You have provided, that we would grow in following and being Your student, that when people see us as we live day in and day out, they would call us Jesus' disciples because of the life we live. So help us all, Lord, to be that kind of 
disciple, that kind of follower. And help us in turn, through that lifestyle, help us to lead others to the life-changing hope in Jesus. We thank you, Lord, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to now move into a time of response in worship. And there are multiple ways that you can respond this morning. If you need to pray, uh, our altar is available to you. We invite you to come down here and kneel and pray at the altar. Maybe you need to pray right where you're at. You don't have to stand when we call you to stand. If you feel like you need to to sit and spend some time in prayer, feel free to do that. Um, Maybe you need to talk with someone. Uh, And myself, I'm Pastor Chad, and, and Pastor Josh will be on this front pew up here. We would love the opportunity to talk to you and answer questions you may have. Maybe you want to know more about what a life-changing relationship with Jesus looks like. We would love to have that conversation with you. We would love to answer your questions. And we'll also be available after the service if you'd like to talk to us. But let's all respond to the message this morning in worship. Let's stand and respond.